What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. We've got a great show for you guys today. We've got a good friend of mine, Vaughn Bethel, and one of our Seven Figure Altitude members. We just got back from Cancun. If you're watching the video, I've got my Cancun shirt on. I got a little bit of a tan. Uh, we, we worked about half. We got to play for half of it. Uh, it was a great mastermind meeting for our Runway and Altitude members. And if you're interested and you want to come to the next one, we have another one in July. Go to sevenfigurealtitude.com. Fill out an application. Even if you're not ready for seven-figure altitude yet, fill out an application. It's almost like a free way to talk to our staff, talk to our team, and figure out how you're going to get to the next level. Think of it like a consultation call, a, um, I don't know, just a, a way to figure out how to do more deals, uh, get ready, and, um, and maybe you are ready right now. But we had a great event, and Vaughn and I talk a little bit about that. We talk a lot about how to find deals if you don't have a lot of money. The number one thing that came up was marketing costs, marketing costs, marketing costs. Costs going through the roof, so much competition, so difficult to find deals. We're going to talk about how you can find deals for really cheap. For I think his lead, cost per lead is like $30 or something like that, and his cost per deal is like $1,300. Would you like to find a deal for $1,300 right now. And Vaughn's gonna tell, tell us how he does it. So stay tuned. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. All right, everybody, what's up? We have a great show for you guys today, and it's a series that we're doing on, um, like, if you think about marketing right now, we just got back from Cancun. We did a mastermind meeting there. You can see I'm wearing my Cancun shirt. And um, one thing I noticed is people, the number one thing that people were talking about there, and these are high-level investors that are doing anywhere from 20 to 30 deals a year to hundreds of deals a year is how to find cheaper deals, more leads, cheaper leads, those kind of things. So what we thought we would do is put together a little series for you on um, maybe some cheaper ways to find deals and predominantly networking, like free ways to find deals or very um, low cost, low risk type ways where you're not fronting a ton of cash. So I reached out to a couple of our seven figure altitude members that are killing it in the networking space and other ways to find deals and predominantly finding them via uh, other people, bringing them to them. And uh, we got some great shows planned for you. So today is our first episode of that. And I've got a good friend of mine today, Mr. Vaughn Bethel. What's up, Vaughn? Not much. How you doing? I'm doing good. Hey, before we kick this off, let's, uh, let's give everybody a little bit of your background. I'm not really a guy to read bios and stuff like that that people send me. I'd rather them hear it straight from you about how you got into business, kind of some of the things that you're doing now and a little bit of your history. Absolutely. Uh, well, how far do you want me to go back, you know, to the womb or, you know? As far After as that. you need to, to get the job done, <laughs> who you are and what you're doing uh, right now. And maybe if you have something interesting in your background that you think helped you, that, I think that's important to share. Sounds good. Well, I won't go that far back. Um, I'm actually uh, in Greenville, South Carolina. That's the market I predominantly work in. Uh, we have a couple other satellite markets that we work in as well. Um, but how I got into real estate, um, I'm actually, uh, I'm a former athlete. I have an athletic background. Uh, soccer player. I uh, got into Greenville, South Carolina on a soccer scholarship from Furman University. Um, I was born in the Bahamas, raised in Florida, and didn't even know where Greenville, South Carolina was when I got recruited. Um, but came here in 98, uh, spent four years here. We're a top 20 team the four years that I played uh, Division One, 
um, and went on to play uh, for the Bahamas national team after that until about 2008 when my daughter was born and hung up my cleats. So with that being said, uh, my prior career was a trainer slash business owner slash sports performance and uh, personal training business owner. So I owned a fitness business for about 15 years prior to getting into real estate. Well, got out of that business back in 2016. And um, ironically, I come from a contractor slash rehab renovation background with my dad owned a construction company as long as I can remember. Um, so when I closed my uh, fitness business in 2016, I was actually to the point where I was just so burnt out. Um, I grew myself a uh, glorified job. Um, when I opened the doors to my fitness business, I had 23 clients that I was training out of another facility and soccer players that I was training on a on soccer fields. Um, and when I actually ended up closing the doors to my gym, I had uh, over 350 clients and a staff of 14. But the business was running me. And I literally got to the point where I couldn't take it anymore. I had multiple conversations with my wife and I walked in one day and uh, said, I can't do it anymore. Um, I had two guys that had been with me for 10 years and eight years respectively. And essentially what I did is uh, I had an opportunity to literally walk away. Um, in, in one month, I was able to find everybody a job. I was able to essentially hand my clients over to those two guys. Uh, they went on and opened up their own facility. I helped uh, every other one of my trainers find another job at another facility or another personal training studio or go work with those other guys. Um, but I was just to the point where I was burnt out and it was affecting me physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, um, and I needed to find something else. So after after that, um, I spent about a year um, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I was actually working for another uh, fitness business company, doing fitness business coaching for other fitness business, business professionals across the country. Um, actually started a mastermind group for them and grew that mastermind group to four groups. Um, but once again, something just in the back of my, my head, in the back of my heart, just saying that you're done with fitness. Um, and I guess I was just burned out at that point. So uh actually went and did sales for a remodeling company, a high-end remodeling company here in Grayville. And I uh, did that for roughly a year. Uh, and then that year's time, broke all their sales records, sold over $2 million worth of business for them. And, you know, most of what we were doing was, uh, you know, decks, uh, screened in porches, sunrooms, you know, bathroom remodels, kitchen remodels, and things such as that. Um, and it was actually pretty good for the first part because uh, for the first nine months, I was just a salesperson. I didn't have to worry about any any of the other business aspects or anything else going on. All I had to do was wake up in the morning, look at my schedule, look at the three or four appointments that I had that day and sit down across the table, across the kitchen table, for the most part, um, from a couple or a family that was looking at, you know, adding on to their house. Um, and so me, I'm a relationship person. Uh, you know, it takes about... Well, we, we, we average about an hour and a half to two hours sitting at a table, um, but I know how to you know, build rapport, get people to know, like, and trust you. And, um, you know, I'm just really good at what I do. And all I had to do was convince them that we were the best, uh, best business to get the job done. Um, and it was a what we call one call close. So uh, the whole job was to try to get a contract signed there, walk away with a uh, down, down payment and uh, move on to the next one. So uh, ironically, renovations, my dad's in construction, and then I get introduced to this whole real estate investing industry. So um, not long after that, in August of 2018, I partnered with a friend of mine and started the company that I run today. Nice. 
so that brought up a couple questions for me. Uh, yeah. First of all, if you were born in the Bahamas and raised in Florida, how do you have that accent that you have right now? <laughs> well, they ask me the same thing when I go back to Florida and go back to the Bahamas. They're like, boy, you country. South Carolina. Absolutely. I've been here since uh, 1998. So I've been here longer than I've been in anywhere. So uh, what's that? 23 years. So okay. I guess I've, uh, I've adapted that country twine. All right, I'm gonna have to uh, show this to my uh, to my wife, who still has that British accent after being here eight years. So I said, just another ten or fifteen more, and you'll be uh, American accent before you know it. You know, you said something about uh, the business was running you, like you were burned out. Um, Absolutely. And you know, I hear that a lot from people that mm -hmm. come into our mastermind group. Right? They come into altitude, and they're just like, I, I'm just doing all the work. It's all me. Um, how have you protected yourself against that when you went into the real estate industry or have you not been in it that long where you feel like you, you're getting that? Well, uh, the reason I brought that history up is because when I started this company, um, I was very intentional and very strategic about setting this company up where it, dis it didn't run me. So even when we started, um, you know, I don't do anything on the weekends unless I want to do it. Um, but my team right now, they know that they don't schedule anything for me on the weekends. And I really don't let them do a lot on the weekends because I don't want them to get burned out as well. Um, and then my schedule, as far as uh, the weekly goes, um, I don't start work until about 9 a.m. Now, I may get into the office at 8 a.m. after I take my kids to school. Um, but typically, I'm doing my devotional, getting set up for the day, uh, getting my mind right. Um, but nothing's scheduled before 9 a.m. And then I'm usually leaving the office by 3, 30, 4 o'clock. Um, so me being here at 4.30, 4.45 in the afternoon or in the evening is, uh, is rare for me. So um, I'm very intentional about that. And when I brought on my first executive assistant and my first team member, that was the first thing I told them. Listen, you know, my time is blocked off after 4 p.m. and it's blocked off before 9 a.m. because I want to take my kids to school every morning. I want to be there when my daughter gets off the bus and, and comes home uh, from school. I want to be there for my son's soccer practices three or four nights a week. Um, so I was just very intentional on the way I set everything up. What would you say to the people who, who might not have had that, uh, like, uh, burned out background? So you said, you said no weekends unless I want to do it. And yeah. I feel like I intentionally went into my real estate business thinking the same thing, but I started wanting to do it, right? We doing yeah. more deals, getting more excited. And next thing I know, um, I set out to build a business that, that could, uh, that I didn't have to be involved in or involved less in than, you know, deploying for the military and stuff and seeing my kids grow up. But then I got to the point where I was just like deal hungry and I actually wanted to show up on the weekend. So how do you protect yourself against that? And then what do you recommend to those folks that may not have been burned out? Like, um, yeah. what are some things that you think that, that would help them? Well, I mean, definitely being strategic and, and, and big part of that is figuring out exactly what it is that you want, because us as entrepreneurs, I mean, we can get caught up in the grind. I mean, that's, you know, if you're like me, um, which I know you are, and, and everybody listening to this podcast is, is we think about this stuff 24, 7, 365, and it's hard not to get, you know, to separate family life and your personal life and everything from business. Um, and a lot of times we think, you know, real estate is, is who we are. Um, before I got into real estate, I thought fitness was who I am. And when I got out of the fitness industry, it took me a couple of years to figure out exactly who I am. And that's personally, that's not my career, Right. So being strategic and, and figuring out exactly what you want in life. And when I started my fitness business, I didn't have kids. I, you know, I wasn't married. Um, so I can spend that time to just, you know, on the weekends, you know, working all day Saturdays, Sundays, you know, late in the evenings and things such as that. 
Um, but once my kids came around, once I got married, um, you know, those things became more important to me. And, and frankly, I didn't see it. I didn't see it till it almost, you know, came close to causing me uh, my relationship with my wife. Yeah. Um, and until then, you know, things came into a, a different perspective. So I guess the biggest piece of advice I can give is really sit down and write, write out your vision, write out exactly what you want in life and, and structure your business around that. Yeah, I'll add on to that a little bit because, you know, I went through a, a struggle last year myself in my personal life and I thought everything was going great. You know, I thought, yeah, you know, business is good. Uh, I'm around my kids a lot, but I wasn't I was there, but I wasn't really there. Right. I wasn't unplugged. I wasn't um, like you said, my mind was thinking about this stuff all the time. You know, marketing, sales, uh, negotiation, all, all that stuff was just constantly I was thinking oh, about yeah. the deal, what else, you know, bigger, bigger, bigger. Right. And what I think is is. And we talk about it a lot in Cancun because it's what's on my mind recently uh, with our mastermind members is being really, like you said, intentional about it, but also revisiting it on a regular basis. And what we do as entrepreneurs is we just keep moving the goal line. You'll hit your goals and your plans, and it might be early in the year. And you're like, well, I, sh I should have just doubled it in the beginning. Instead of being happy about where you are and, and meeting that or, or even exceeding your goals, you just change the goals. You change the story. You change the vision halfway through the year or after two years of your five-year plan and just for more, more, more instead of like really thinking about it and why did you show up and do this business in the first place? And, Absolutely. And I, think, I do think it changes over time, but I think that what you need to do is just every now and then just check, check yourself every couple months, every quarter maybe, just go down and look at that vision and say, you know, am I, am I going the right direction? We talked yeah. about um, this kind of concept of start with why. Simon Sinek wrote an amazing book called Start With Why. I dug into it at the event. And it's, it's really just kind of get, getting back on track. Sometimes you can, you can become really successful and just realize that you're a couple degrees off track for so long that you're not bringing yourself back in to realize like why you started the company in the first place. And it's typically not to make a bunch of money. It's really Definitely. something else. And it changes over time. You know, it, After a couple of years, it might be more impact related than it is financially related. Once you... Once you are comfortable, then it, your, your kind of why might change. So, Absolutely. And I, I kind of look at that as like um, in business, you know, if you're following the EOS, um, you have your vision traction organizer, right? And we look at it quarterly. We probably mm -hmm. should look at it more often, right? We probably should look at it monthly because that vision traction organizer always has there what your long-term vision is, what your goals are, what your one-year goals are, and it helps you make those decisions, and if you're not looking at that vision traction organizer to help make you uh, help you make the big decisions, but also the smaller decisions, then you can see yourself derailed. Right. And it might not be about much at first, but if you keep, you know, keep going off track for too long, you can be way off course. And I think the same thing, uh, you know, is applicable in life. We need to have a, a, you know, a reason, a vision, a mission, a purpose, a passion for why we got into doing what we're doing. And if we're not evaluating that, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, then we can easily get off the path. Yep. You're exactly right. The purpose, cause, and passion of why yeah. you started this business for you personally, as a business owner, yeah. you're this, right? Why did you start this business? And if you can pour that passion, that purpose into, into the company, those people are going to follow you and be able to lead them. So uh, really good stuff. You, you know, you mentioned for uh, a, you're a relationship person. So let's yeah. jump into kind of how do you use that to your advantage? So you're at this home improvement company, made a bunch of money, left to start a real estate business. How did you take some of those skills and things and kind of implement them? And what, what are some of the things that you're doing right now 
uh, relationship-wise to find deals in networking and, and cheaper stuff? Well, I would say the, the biggest thing is uh, talking to people, right? So when we first started our uh, real estate business, I had two partners. Uh, I've since bought them out, uh, you know, since I you know, started with them in 2018. But the biggest thing that we started doing was just cold calling and getting people on the phone, having those conversations, meaningful conversations uh, with people. And a big part of the deals that we've gotten from the time we started doing that to now um, is building relationships. People do business with people that they know, like, and trust. And that first phone call is spending a lot of time. And I, and I say a lot of time, I'm not talking hours, but 15, 20, 30 minutes of just building a relationship, right? And knowing how to build rapport, knowing how to get on the same level, um, knowing how to relate to get them to know, like, and trust you. And once you do that, the sale kind of makes itself happen, right? If they're genuinely motivated to sell. So everything that we do is based off of relationships. Even in our business, as I've started building a team, you know, when it was just me or me and my partners and then just me doing everything, wearing all the hats, you know, the it was important that I build relationships with our potential customers. But now that I have a small team, my most important relationships are my team because I kind of look at it as everything switches. Once you build a team, now the team becomes your, your customers, Right. Because you want to make sure that you do everything that you can to make them happy and keep them comfortable and you know, make sure that they're all bought in. And if you do that, they're going to make your customers happy. So it's all about relationships and it, and it trickles all the way down. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit, because right. I think, you know, hiring was a big thing that came up in uh, at the event recently, too, for all the Altitude members, even some of the runway members who are trying to okay. growing, you know. And so uh, and I, I think it was it was important to talk about that purpose, cause and passion that we did discuss there because that you're, I really think that the relationship that you're talking about, we're pretty transactional in our mm -hmm. real estate business. I think we're, you know, I, the building rapport, uh, building relationship, things like that are important, but usually it's a one-time transaction that happens between us and a customer. If you can get, yep. if you're out there and you're getting repeat clients that are knocking on your door and lining up to sell you their house, I want to figure out how you're doing that. Or if you're getting like tons of referrals where people are, you got somebody who you bought a house from and they've, they've linked you up with 50 other people that have sold you their house. Like, I want to talk to you too. But usually it, it maybe you get, you know, uh, may, you might get one referral from a person or something, but it's not like we're Apple and people are lining up every time we launch a new product, right? But yep. the people that we work with, our staff, our contractors, our realtors, our other wholesalers, potentially all the other people inside of our world it is a very relational type business that is a repeat potentially. So, yep. uh, and to cultivate that um, that relationship is really, really important. And you mentioned one that I think is probably the most important. It's our staff. So, Absolutely. So what are some things that you do to cultivate that relationship with your staff? Well, I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, one of the first things that we did, and my team right now is, is we have roughly six to eight people, depending on how many drivers we have. We have two full-time drivers. I have an executive assistant who's also my lead manager. I have a full-time acquisitions manager, a full-time dispositions manager, and I have a just hired another acquisition specialist. So um, the biggest thing is, is getting them to buy into the vision, right? First and foremost, before we even hire them, here's our vision. Here's our purpose, cause, and passion. And does this relate to you? Here's our core values. Do you have similar or the same core values? Um, so once we realize that, then it's helping them understand where we're going. 
And once you help them understand where you're going, I think that's the biggest thing of getting them bought in to you as the business owner, but also to your business as well. And they can relate that information. They have to be able to relate that information to cast that information to your prospective clients and customers. Um, so that's a, that's a big thing, getting them bought in. And then once I have them bought in, then is doing, you know, with my acquisitions people, I sit down with them and ask them how much money they want to make. But I provide them all the systems, tools, and coaching to help get them to that level. If I just said, hey, here you go, good luck. I'm not building that relationship. I'm not putting them first and foremost or making them feel like they're first and foremost in our in our company. Same thing with disposition. Same thing with every person on our team. You got to treat them as if, you know, they they are the priority. You know, it's interesting. There's so much uh, correlation between this and what we talked about um, there at, at the event that we just had. Um, this, I, I started, I started the talk. It was a Wednesday night. It was late. We did like a pajama session. It was like, I don't know, that. 8 30 to 10 something like that at night um some people showed up in like bathrobes pajamas all kinds of fun stuff but we talked about this start with why concept and i the first thing that i asked everybody in the room was why are you here you know why are you here and some people said well you know it's in cancun why wouldn't i be here and it said no like why are you in this group like what is it that brings you into this group somebody's like well you know i was doing a certain number of deals and i wanted to do more somebody else said like i you know, I feel like I had a ceiling. I just want, I want to be around people who are doing more than me. Somebody else said, I'm, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, all this stuff, right? I said, yeah, but why this one? Like, why this room? Why are you in this room? Not why are you in a mastermind? Why are you in this yeah. one, this exact one? And like, we took probably 20 minutes just talk. I just passed the mic around and just some people were raising their hand. They're trying to think about this. And then somebody just said, well, the, the other people, like the, the core values, the beliefs, these kind of things that are in here, they, they, it's like people care about me, like truly care about me being successful. We got to the point where, where I, I really was hoping that we would go, and it was um, that they care about me and my success more than their own personal gain. Yeah. And that, that's it. And I think you just nailed it because you said, when you sit down with your sales reps, and you, you give them things, the tools, the strategies, the, the coaching, all those things so that they make more money and they feel like you really care about them making more money, more than you care about the company making money and you making money. And they see it as the owner of that company or the visionary or integrator, whoever it is on the team mm -hmm. that wants me to succeed more than they want a paycheck because of what I've done for them. That's, that's, that's how you get to the next level of business. Absolutely. And uh, one of the biggest things is one of our core values is serve, right? Our greatest servant was our greatest leader, right? So I'm here, I've been put on this earth to serve people. And if I can serve my team and help them achieve their goals, guess what's going to be the byproduct of that, right? So yeah. if I have everybody on my team, you know, working in harmony, working as a team for each other, then it's just going to benefit myself individually, but us as a company as well. Yep. You know, there was a guy and I so I can still see the interaction that we had. He was, I remember him because we were on a virtual event that I was sponsoring. And I remember doing some coaching calls, answering questions on there. And he was on every single one. Me and Mike Simmons were on there. He was on every single one. And he was like missing time at this virtual seminar to be on there with us. And then he bought a ticket to Flip Hacking Live and then he joined the Runway Group. And he, he's the one who said, 
Uh, he was like, I just felt like you cared about it. I said, did you feel like I cared about you in the beginning? And he's like, well, I wasn't sure. That's why I bought a ticket to the event to see if it was just all a front to get my money, you know? And I said, well, what do you think now? And he said, no, I mean, I truly believe that you care, uh, you care about me and my success and all everything that you've done and answered questions and give me advice and, and put this stuff on. And so I think that's the level that we try to get to in, in our business and our life, frankly, you know, just how you show up in your community. And, and everybody's a little bit different, but I knew that when I, I knew that everybody in that room, and I bet for you, it's everybody in your company and everybody that yeah. you've done business with before that you continue to do business with, right? So we see if our belief, if the other people believe what we believe, like that's who we're trying to attract in our job ads. That's who we're trying to attract on our team. That's the other sellers that we're trying to help is Absolutely. like, can we get them to the point where they trust us with their most valuable asset, their house, right? It's probably the only thing that has value of them. And they're in some distress. These people are in dire needs, de desperate times, a lot of them, things like that. And they're turning to us because like you said, they know they get to a point where they know, like, and trust us enough mm -hmm. that yes, we're making a financial gain, but they feel like we care about them. And although it is transactional in the buying and selling of the houses, they know that, that we ultimately, when you're in that house for an hour, two hours, three hours, or however long it takes, and you put in all that time to get that difficult transaction closed, then you care about them uh, more than you care about the check. Because I'll tell you, we've done deals where we have not mm -hmm. made any money. We've Same done here. deals where we just, we couldn't buy their house. And we had a buyer that was offering the exact amount that we had on our contract for, and we just put them together. Yep. And Same we said, here. you know what? Most people would just say, no, I'm not going to make any money off that. I'm not doing that. Like, why would I? Why would I help them out? You know, I'm not making any money. And we actually lose a ton of money because we pay hourly employees and staff and all that stuff for those yep. transactions, right? And we just, we just did one where we made 1,000 and 2,000. But I'll tell you, we're getting, we're getting the, those, those people are getting help. They're getting what they need. It's happening. And it comes back, right? Because then I don't feel so bad on the deal that I make 30,000 or $50,000 on. So, mm -hmm. okay. Um, man, we one can talk I, about this stuff forever. Yeah. Go ahead. One, th one thing I would say about that too is, you know, that servant mentality, that servant leadership has to be genuine, right? If it's not genuine, people can see right through it. So looking at my, my disc assessment or my culture index and things such as that, you know, when I show that to somebody, everybody I show it to is just blown away because I, I'm a double people person, right? And my natural, you know, disposition is a double people person. And I like to take care of people. I care about people. When it comes to business, now I know how to get the thing, get the job done, but you have to be genuine because if you're not genuine in those relationships, people can see right through that. Man, I'm trying to find um, where he, where in this book. So he um, he talks about this uh, authenticity specifically and yeah. start with why, because um, he said it can't authenticity can't be achieved without knowing your why. And so building trust is, is building a relationship with somebody. But he, he says, you can't fake authenticity. Like people say, be more authentic. And it does not exist. Like you cannot just tell somebody to be more authentic. Mm -hmm. like they are who they are, right? And it kind of seeps out and it attracts some people and repels others. Your true authenticity. We talk a lot about vulnerability and openness and honesty on this podcast and in our, our meetings and all of our events and stuff. But he says, everything you do and say is what you actually believe. That's authenticity. Everything you do and say is what you actually believe. And authenticity happens in the what. So like what you do and how you show up is, your, is, is authenticity. So you cannot fake it. You can't just do more yeah. of it, right? 
it's pretty wild. And I'll just share quickly another, uh, what the, like he talks about a company. A company is a culture brought together on a common set of values and beliefs. So a company is a culture brought together on a common set of values and beliefs. So if you look around the company, the company is attracting people that believe what you believe, has similar values, similar beliefs, and all those things. Everybody that you work with, everybody on your team, when you look around, it should you typically see a reflection of that business owner, the practices, the leadership team, all of that stuff. And so when you have a company that's not doing great things, it's typically run by a pretty poor leader or somebody who is attracting the wrong type of people, likely because that's kind of the mirror that they're reflecting. So very interesting to see that. I bet if I interviewed any single one of your staff members and your team, I would see a reflection of you and somebody that I would love to spend time with and, and talk to more because Absolutely. That's, I mean, hire people who believe what you believe, a culture brought together on a common set of values and beliefs. Great, great uh, stuff. The other quote that I shared is a great companies don't hire skilled people and then motivate them. They hire people who are already motivated and inspire them. Like this is a couple of things that just moving stuff as you talk about hiring and leading. So I know we brought you on to talk more about networking and finding deals and stuff like that. But without this, it doesn't matter. Like how are you going to show up and network and bring other people into your world if you don't have this foundation already set and really understand uh, what it is and how you're showing up and define those um, define those beliefs, define those values, the core values of your company, your purpose, cause, and passion, those kind of things. Really, really important yep. to, to kind of start with that stuff before you get too far down the road and realize that, you know, the way you're writing a job ad or you're attracting people or you're talking about what you do just doesn't really align with, with who you are. So, yep. um, and every company is going to be different. Your company and the people in it are going to look a lot different than mine and and the other people that we have inside the mastermind group. So, um, so what are some things you mentioned? You have some full time drivers. Let's jump into yeah. that. And uh, I realize we've been uh, we've been talking a lot here about the the kind of the big why type stuff. But let's yeah. talk about where the rubber meets the road and a couple of ways that you're finding deals that might help some other folks. Okay. Well, I say full time drivers are actually uh, part time in the sense of the hours that they work. Um, but they're adding anywhere from uh, I would say six to eight hundred properties to our database per week. Um, so in our sense, that's hitting the goals that we set uh, as far as leads or deals or prospective clients coming into the pipeline. Um, so, you know, every time they come in and they add those properties on Monday, we have somebody that qualifies those properties. So it goes through each and every one of them, make sure it fits our criteria, uh, make sure that they've taken a picture of the property. And from there, I would say 99% up until the first of this month, 99% of our uh, leads have come through driving for dollars. Um, we just don't pull lists. We haven't pulled lists. Um, we just now started in April because we just moved into a new market. So we're in uh, Central Florida now instead of uh, just South Carolina. So for Central Florida, we have pulled lists, but we haven't really pulled any lists in the three years that we've been doing this here in South Carolina. It's all been driving through the uh, driving for dollars. Okay, so let's let's kind of go through uh, very quickly, like how you do this. So like, is it? Yeah. Um, you just find an Uber driver and say, I'll give you $1,000 if you start doing this, um, kind of maybe what system you use, and then what does that kind of look like going out the back door? Okay. Well, we use a software called Deal Machine, and it just makes the, uh, the process very easy. Uh, it's an app, and we use the enterprise version. Um, so one of the, the neatest features of that app is I can go um, create a filter that shows on every deal, deal finders platform. So when they log into that app on their phone and they get ready to start driving, the properties that meet the criteria, at least on paper, are going to be highlighted on their drive. 
So they can actually pull up an area and just see all the highlighted properties and uh, drive straight to that property. And then when they get to that property, then they just need to see if there's a level of distress physically. So those criteria might be an absentee owner, uh, assessed value under $300,000 in a certain zip code. I mean, there's a couple of things that we can filter at depending on what we're searching for that particular week. Um, but it just makes it real easy. So if I say, tell one of my drivers to go drive in 29681, they can go to that area code or that zip code and then plug their filter into the map and then zoom out and see kind of like almost like a heat map, what areas have the biggest you know, uh, highlights. And so they can go drive straight to that area, drive down the street, pull up to a property and say, okay, there's a physical level uh, sign of distress there. Let me go ahead and take a picture of that property and add it to the database. Um, so our drivers go out, um, they add, you know, six to 800 properties um, on an individual basis, about three to 400 properties a week. We pay them a dollar per approved property. So right now they're getting about a 10% unqualified rate. Um, so if they add 100 properties, about 10 of them are coming back as unqualified, don't meet criteria, don't you know, show the level of distress that we wanted to show. Um, and they're getting a lot better at that. Um, but once those properties are filtered out, then we export those properties from Deal Machine and we skip trace them. And once skip trace, we add them into our text messaging platform and then into our cold calling platform. And we only send postcards out to our hot zip codes. So if there's properties in our hot zip codes, then we'll send them out directly through Deal Machine through the, through the software um, with a picture right there on their property. I like having pictures on their property as far as a current picture rather than a Google Street View or Street Pick, just because some of these property owners don't live in the areas where their properties are. They might not have seen their property in two or three years, sometimes five years. So when they see a property uh, that looks like theirs and it's showing major signs of distress, they're like, whoa, I haven't seen that property in five years. And they, a lot of them don't want to come back into the area or hire a contractor to go fix up the property. They'll be willing to sell it to us. Um, so I personally like a updated picture on my postcards when I send them out. Okay. So deal machine enterprise model, you can set your criteria in there. Um, they'll go out and drive around, take pictures of the properties that it shows highlighted versions. They can know where there's a heavy concentration, where they can get the most uh, potential uh, payment from you. And yep. you're paying a dollar and approved property, about 10% gets chopped. How, yep. um, who's going in and determining whether they're approved properties or not? Are you going in and seeing like three or 400 a week per driver? So my lead manager goes in. And so once we go into the software on Monday mornings, we can filter out through all the properties that were added via the mobile map on that particular week before. And then we, there's a view where you can just see the pictures and you can just do a quick scan of the pictures. And there's a couple of things that won't qualify a picture, such as if there's a finger sitting over the camera or the car's uh, mirror or a part of the car is in the picture because these are getting sent out via a postcard. Mm -hmm. Some of them are. So, uh, and then if they're driving around in a, a neighborhood where all the properties are worth $250,000, $300,000, which is a decent neighborhood here, and there's no sign of distress, those properties are going to get chopped. Um, so, unless we're looking at, you know, going for pre-foreclosure or something like that, that's a different story. But we're looking for physical signs of distress. So, it's pretty easy to go in and, and qualify or unqualify properties. Okay, and then you're exporting this list. And are you skip mm -hmm. tracing it? Is it getting skip traced inside the software? What do you do next? So we're, we use batch leads for our skip tracing. 
So we imported into batch leads. And the reason we use batch leads is because we use them for SMS or text messaging as well. So straight from there, we skip trace them. And then all the ones that come back with hits, we add them to a campaign. Okay. Um, okay. And this is from then your text messaging, cold calling them, mm -hmm. doing all that stuff. Uh, and then from there, it's just a normal process of trying to follow up, get them under contract, uh, negotiate them, those kind of things, all stuff that we've covered. How do you find these? Right. So I've been fortunate because uh, it's a husband and wife team, and they're really good friends of ours. Um, so the, our main driver, um, he's a veteran, a disabled vet, and he was not working, and he was looking for something to do. And I said, hey, I got if you, if you need some some hours or you just want something to do, I have a, a job that you might potentially like. And this was two years ago. And he just took it. And he owned it. And he loves doing it. And he makes good money at doing it because not only do we pay a dollar per approved property, we actually have a uh, percentage bonus tier. Um, so if we close on a property, they can make anywhere from one to three percent of the actual assignment or, you know, whatever we profit on the deal, as long as they're actively driving at the time. So it's uh, something that he he's done consistently for over two years now. And he's brought his wife into the fold because his wife works in Columbia, which is another uh, it's about an hour and 15 hour and a half from here. And uh, it's another market that we've been able to jump into because she's over there driving. And, uh, you know, they do it on the weekends as, as a team. Nice. And just for context, so everybody who's yeah. listening, uh, how many deals a year do you do and how many come from this source? So right now, uh, last year, we did 38 deals and 35 of them came from Deal Machine. So, so you're, what you're saying is I can get 35 deals just from driving for dollars in one year. Absolutely. You can get more than that, depending on how much you want to scale that team. All right. So if everybody's listening, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, I used to drive for dollars when I got started. Then I made a little bit of money. And now I send bulk mail, do online pay-per-click advertising. I don't do any of this stuff. Um, you're, you could be missing out uh, severely. Obviously, you've got some great back-end systems. you got to be able to negotiate the contracts, have a buyer's list, all of that other stuff that, that we teach, that all the wholesalers out there and flippers out there know how to do. Um, but this is really, really cool. Uh, would you recommend somebody just start out right out of the gate paying a dollar a lead. How would you recommend people start, you know, incentivizing people? What I see a lot of times in driving for dollars and, and people that are using something like this is they'll basically say, I'll pay you 500 or $1,000 for any closed property. And I'm interested to hear what you think about kind of that pay structure versus what you do and longevity of people that will stay with you. Well, people like to get, they like to see uh, the fruits of their labor immediately. So paying a dollar per property, they get paid right off the bat. And it's also a way that when I'm looking at bringing somebody on as a driver, um, you know, I'll incentivize them. I'll say, hey, listen, I'll pay you a dollar per property that you add, um, you know, for the first week. And then we'll sit down and kind of go over the properties, explain it to you exactly what we're looking for, if you missed some and whatnot. But if you had 200 properties in the first three days, I'll give you a dollar 25 per property or a dollar 50 per property. Um, so they just like to get that reward right off the bat. Um, the instant gratification, right? Um, as far as paying people just off of uh, closed deals, it can take three, four, five months before you close a deal. So somebody that's been driving for a little while and they're not getting any type of payment for three months, if it was me, <laughs> I wouldn't continue to do it, at least, at least not on a high level. Um, so you want to incentivize them right off the bat, give them that instant gratification. And then that's why we have a, uh, a tiered system. We have a dollar per property, approved property on a weekly basis, but also if we close a deal anywhere from one to 3%, depending on how many properties that they're adding on a weekly, monthly basis. 
Yeah, that's that's nice. I think I think you hit it. I mean, you're, you're paying for gas. They're driving around and taking their time. What I found is I've gotten people to to send me leads to set up driving for dollars, but they haven't stayed longer than a week, two weeks, three weeks. And and even even if they even if we got one right away, the sales cycle can be long. The closing process can be long. We have some houses, especially that are distressed, that might get might get kicked down the road two three months based on title issues and all kinds of other oh, yeah. stuff. Uh, and they're not seeing any money until until then. So I love this idea and this concept. I think it's really smart. We, yeah, a lot of people pay people to put out uh, bandit signs, mm-hmm. and where you're not even getting any leads. So you're actually putting the trash out there, and you're paying somebody anywhere from a dollar to two dollars per sign to put out there, if not more. And yeah. at least here, we're getting addresses, we're getting pictures, we're getting actual things that we can use. Uh, and it, I don't know why people are so afraid to to pay per basically per lead almost it's like a, that, yeah. you're getting an address a property an image you're actually having some stuff other than putting signs out in the, in the street and just hoping somebody calls and drives by so absolutely and i you know one of the things too i would say is that it all depends on where you are in your business if you're still a one-man show i wouldn't go you know if you're not doing a lot of volume go out and do the driving yourself don't pay anybody but yeah. if you're doing some volume and you have a team or you're you know you're wearing multiple other hats then and you can afford to do it, yeah. You know, pay somebody. Yep, I love it. That's good stuff. I'm uh, man. Now I just want to set this up and go add add it to the <laughs> add it to the team. That's a problem that I have running this running the show. Every time we we bring somebody on, there's a new concept that I want to go implement right away. And being a visionary and not really the person who has to pull the trigger and do the work, uh, I'm sure my team doesn't love it. So. Uh, all right, Vaughn, this is good stuff, man. I really, I really appreciate that. Your, I mean, your cost per deal has to be pretty, pretty low um, on it is. $500. Do you have any idea what that is? Um, if you take out uh, what I'm paying, like as far as salaries and expenses and things such as that, I can tell you right now between the marketing and software costs and the mailings, hold on. And this includes SMS and uh, cold calling. I want to say is, here we go. My cost per deal is $1,330.38. So that includes all, all the software, the cold calling, the manpower, other than salaries for the team and the staff and those kind of overhead. Yeah, That's pretty wild. Wow, that's super cheap. So if you're looking at $37.07 cost per lead. <laughs> that's a return. That's yeah, awesome. with a mar- marketing ROI of $16.74 for every dollar we spend. Well, I, I remember when I was just getting into pay-per-click in Pensacola and doing mail in Pensacola, I was somewhere around like 10 to $13 on mail. And then when I added pay-per-click, it was a couple of years later, it was like $7 for every dollar I would spend. It was crazy. And now we're, we're hoping that we get to $3 for every dollar we spend. So being up that high is, if you're listening to this, you know how, how powerful that is. So uh, first of all, I thank you for sharing this uh, tactic with us and everybody on the podcast. I'm sure we all appreciate that. And your system is pretty awesome. I remember hearing about it in, um, in Nashville at our event, yeah. the previous event. And just kind of my jaw hit the floor when I heard how many deals you did from driving for dollars. So, um, and the guys at Deal Machine are, are good guys. I, uh, I talked to them quite a bit. And uh, I know that, you know, they're interested in coming out to one of our mastermind events and getting more involved with us and stuff like that. So um, I'll make sure that I send this on to them and give them a big, uh, a big thank you. Um, So if you're listening, I don't have like a, do you have a a referral code or anything like that for Deal Machine? You got one? 
I got one. I don't have it on me right now. Well, we'll, get it, we'll get it from Vaughn. We'll put it in the yeah. email that we send out and in the show notes and stuff like that. So uh, we'll hook them up with some credits, probably get you guys some credits. They're really good, uh, really good folks over there. So if you want to check Definitely. out the machine, uh, we'll help uh, for Vaughn's sharing the goods with us. We'll get a, get them a referral code hookup. So, um, and if you guys never heard of them, uh, it's a good company uh, group of good guys over there. Uh, yep. And we'll, we'll put that in the email and in the show notes. Uh, Vaughn, thanks for spending time with me and everybody else and sharing some of your secrets. I think the start with why kind of stuff, the, the purpose, cause, passion, the vision statement, the VTO, all that stuff is so important. Um, if somebody wants, you're, you're doing deals in Central Florida, you're doing deals in South Carolina, um, you probably have a lot of needs. How can people get a hold of you or if they want to buy from you uh, some of these awesome deals, how can they do that? Well, our, uh, my main email address is Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-N, at reijunkies.com. I'm on Facebook as Vaughn Bethel. Um, not on many other social media platforms. So look me up on Facebook. Uh, I think I am on Instagram. So still under Vaughn Bethel. Um, so hit me up. I mean, and then as far as business is concerned, it's reijunkies.com uh, or you can go buycheapupstatehomes.com. Buycheapupstatehomes.com. All right. Yep. Jump on the buyer's list. Uh, reach out to Vaughn yep. if, uh, if you got a deal in that area that you want to JV on. Um, you want to buy some wholesale deals, buy some rentals. I know they got really great rental properties in that, those areas, uh, stuff yep. like that. Vaughn, thanks for hanging out with us. Um, thanks for I'm having happy. me. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. All right. Bye. All right. If you're still hanging out with me, Vaughn and I just talked a ton about culture, about our why, about believe, like hanging around with other people who believe what we believe, our purpose, cause, passion, our vision, all of those things. Uh, our values and belief structure and and, the, and the, our mastermind group, frankly. That is, when I looked around in Cancun, that's exactly what I saw. I saw other people who I could lift up and who could lift me up when I needed them. Other people that I wanted to be with, I wanted to spend a week in the tropics with, with their families, with my family. And it was just an amazing group of people. I would love to invite you to be a part of that. And to do so, all you have to do is fill out an application at sevenfigurealtitude.com. So if what we were saying resonates with you, if the, like the way that we we're talking, the way the people that I bring on the podcast and you want to be a part of that group, we have meetings every three months. And we also have a Facebook group. We have an accountability group that's kicking off right now for uh, every three months. We hold each other accountable. We meet in small groups. We have coaching calls. We have all kinds of stuff that we do together. We do virtual events together. We randomly bring in people to add value to our community. And we want to find other people who are doing really big things. And even though you could be brand new to the group, you have some value to give. And we have a ton of value together that we can provide collectively back to you. So if you want to be part of the group, I'd love to invite you uh, to join us or at least see if you're a good fit and we're a good fit for you. You can go to sevenfigurealtitude.com. So the number is sevenfigurealtitude.com and fill out an application. We'll contact you. And like I said in the beginning of the show, look at it like a consultation to figure out if number one, we're the right fit. Number two, you're the right fit for us. And number three, if you're not yet, what do you need to do to get there business-wise? So you might not think that you're ready for seven-figure altitude, but I'll tell you what, you might not be very far off. We just had a member of our runway program having never done a deal. He just came on the podcast. He's doing like four or five deals. He's not far from jumping into altitude and getting to the next level. All it takes is that one breakthrough to really think, like believe that you can do it and grow and scale. So go to sevenfigurealtitude.com, fill out an application, and I'll see you on the next show. Bye.